Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Good to see you this morning. I want to welcome the online congregation that just joined us. I want to get your Bibles open to Jeremiah chapter number 29. Jeremiah 29, and you need to open it up to verse number 5. Hold your place there because I'm going to jump onto that passage here near the end of the service, and it's important that you see what's in there. One of the reasons I ask you to open, sometimes I'll put scriptures up on the screen, and that's fine, but there are some I ask you to open up and look to, because I want you to see them in your Bible, find them in your Bible, mark them, and that also helps you to know that I'm actually preaching the truth. I'm not just changing the words to, for, for whatever I want or whatever I think somebody else might want, all right? So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5, we'll look at that in just a moment. You know, sometimes we just feel like it's time to give up. It's time to give in. The battle seems too difficult. The mountain seems too high. The valley seems too low and too deep. And, and nothing in your life seems to be going right. You can't even find yourself. You can't even find God in the middle of the dark winter. I'm talking about that today. So how in the world are you supposed to blossom and bloom and flourish when you feel like you're barely surviving? <clears throat> well, that brings me to the title of today's message, and it's this. It's simply, be alive and thrive. Be alive and thrive. In fact, you need to tell yourself that this morning. Come on, be alive and thrive. Come on, just talk to yourself. It's okay. Be alive and thrive. That's what I'm encouraging you to do today. So remember when you were a child, uh, you played this game of hide and seek. Remember that? I was playing that with my, uh, my grandson yesterday, hide and seek, and it was a lot of fun. He couldn't even figure out how to play it, but he was loving it. He's not even two yet, but he thinks he's playing it right. But, but you know, hide and seek really, uh, it, it demands kind of like nothing from the other person. Now, I always found it interesting, though, that the person who's doing the seeking is called it. Because whoever has to hunt for the other person is called it. No, I, I sometimes just stop and think about things. Why? Why are we calling the person it? And, and I recall, even as I was doing that little interaction with my grandson, I thought, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I never wanted to be the it. Because I, I, I clearly, clearly recall, it's like I, I saw some of those old 1950s uh, horror movies that weren't horror movies, they were just weird. But uh, I saw some of those old 50s, 1950s horror movies on TV. They'd come on on Saturday mornings when I was growing up. And, and, uh, and it, to me, sounded like this deformed, creepy monster. And I didn't want to be that. So I never liked being it. So since, I, I thought about this, you know, since I... And I don't know about you, but I have this mental predisposition to not be an it. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like, as, as a kid, I just avoided playing the game altogether because inevitably I would be it, and regardless of how the rules are set up, I didn't want to be that. See, because an it, really, here it is. An it has no identity. It's just an it. It has no function and no purpose. Now, I've even noticed something in my own life, and as, as, I've, as I've walked through life, you know, quite often there are some good people, 
nice people, even great, fantastic people. They're warm, they're friendly, they're pleasant, they're great to be around. But they've taken upon themselves the identity of it. What does that mean? They're the ones always doing the seeking. And not, not for a child in some little uh, game, some other person that you're looking for in a childhood game, but they're kind of looking for themselves all the time. And simultaneously, there's kind of this perpetual search for the presence of God. And it seems to elude them. So if that's you, God has a different plan for you. And you don't have to be an it. You don't need to be searching for yourself in the dark. And understand this, God is closer than you think. And the blessing of God is closer than you think. And what God has for you is closer than you think. Yeah, also, I understand some of you guys are in a really tough space. I'm a pastor, and I know a lot about what's going on in various one of your lives. And, and, uh, but, but some people, the way they respond to a tough spot is, well, I'm just going to jump from relationship to relationship. Going to try to find this perfectly tailored man or woman, confident that this ideal relationship is going to give you identity. But until then, you're kind of just an it. And you, but please understand this. If you think that's going to give you identity and purpose, then the truth is you're just playing hide and seek with yourself. So here's something I want you to remember. Look at this. Stop playing hide and seek with yourself. God has a better plan. You might, might even, uh, uh, people who are in that situation, they're in a tough, dry place, you don't know what to do, find yourself leaping from job to job. You're looking for something that just feels right, knowing it's got to have this right vibe, and, 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 you, and you, you know that, well, eventually you're just going to find that right job, or you're just going to create that perfect job for yourself, and then when you do, then you're going to have that strong identity, and you'll have that purpose, and, and you won't keep on searching, but until then, you're just basically an it. Well, you're playing hide-and-seek with yourself, so what are you going to do? Stop playing hide-and-seek with yourself. God has a better plan. Maybe you've never really thought about it, but you keep hopping around from church to church trying to find the perfect church that God created just for you. It has all the right songs. It has all the right programs that you enjoy. And the, the preaching style has to be a certain way just for you. And the people in that church are designed just to fit all of your needs. Knowing that when you find that perfect church, you're going to feel so fulfilled and your identity is going to become so clear, only to find out after you've been there for a few months that church isn't as perfect as you thought, and the newness wears off. And trust me, when it, if you do find the perfect church and you join it, then it will no longer be the perfect church because you're there, all right? That's important to know. But then somebody at that church ends up saying something that hurts your feelings, or they looked at you funny. And, and uh, I, I did that this morning to one of our elders. I was walking around a corner, and I just caught, caught their eye, and they, I saw them coming around the corner, and and, and I just said, I, I, I just said, oh, man. And, and I was thinking, like, oh, man. My old man was, oh, man, I've got to go in and get my mic on. But they didn't know that. They kind of looked at me and thought, well, no, I wasn't talking about you. I was, I was just kind of explaining how I felt at the moment. But you know what? I'm glad our elders and the people of this church, we don't get hurt, our hurt feelings like that. But those things happen to people. They say, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm going to go off on the search to find the perfect church yet again. But the truth is, if you're doing that kind of stuff constantly, you, what you're really doing is you're, you're playing hide and seek with yourself. You're really stuck in this perpetual identity of it. 
So what am I going to encourage you to do? Come on, say it with me. Stop playing hide and seek with yourself. God has a better plan. You know, you don't have to be constantly searching. You don't have to be going from experience to experience to try to find the real you. Uh, I mean, God gives us a great foundation. And Peter explained this fundamental identity in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I've shared this with you for a few weeks, but we need to go back to it because this is where it all starts. Because here's who you are. Take a look at 1 Peter 2, 9. It's on the screen. It says, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people of God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous, wonderful, fantastic, amazing light. See, I like this because part of it says it's called you out of darkness. See, because when you're in darkness, there are a lot of problems that you can experience. My son Ian and I, uh, we decided to get away for a couple days, a few days, and to hear from God. So we took a couple of days, and, and we went and explored four, of, four Texas caverns. And we, we like going, our family loves going to caverns. And, and, uh, but in each one of these, they have this thing, they've, they've done it for years, they will turn out the lights, extinguish all the lights, you have to make sure you don't have a cell phone or a watch glowing, and it becomes perfectly, totally, totally dark. Now, suppose they all say this, and I don't know if it's true or not, but they all say this when you get into the caverns. They will say, now, this is the ultimate darkness. This is total darkness. And they say, you know, supposedly, this is the only place, there are only two places on earth you can experience total darkness. One is in a cavern. The other one is at the very bottom of the ocean. And I don't want to go to the bottom of the ocean because I've seen what happens to those little submarines that go down. I, I don't want to do that. So, so you know, I, you go into a cavern and you experience this total darkness. But when they do that, your eyes open up and then your eyes begin playing tricks on you. You start to see things that aren't even there. It's your brain trying to make sense of total, utter, complete darkness. It's really an interesting thing. And you're also kind of afraid to move because you're thinking, well, if I move, I may fall off the path. I may fall down into a big hole or I may get, get lanced with a stalactite or something like that. And I don't want to do that. So you just, you just stay right there. And uh, in, fact, in fact, it's interesting because hell in the Bible is described as being total darkness. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I'll, I, I did not enjoy the total darkness in any of those settings. Uh, in, fact, in fact, I've gotten dressed in the dark. Have you ever gotten dressed in the dark only to be humiliated when you get to the office and you realize you're wearing something that doesn't match or doesn't go together and then you're in the light? It's like, ah, oh no, and you're stuck with it. I, I, I learned years ago uh, a, a fix for that. So I actually carry extra clothes with me in my car just in case. Yeah, I'm weird. I actually do that because I never know what's going to happen during the day where I have to go or what I have to do. But I'll just tell you, the truth is I prefer light. I, I like to be able to see where I'm going. I feel more confident. And, and you actually enjoy life more when you're walking in the light. And God, according to that scripture, God has called us out of darkness into his light. So why would any believer in Jesus keep living in the darkness, searching and hunting for themselves? Because God is saying this right now, come into the light and find yourself. And when you do that, I believe you can also find him as well. This morning I stepped out of darkness and when I was in the light, I looked in the mirror and I saw me, 
because it's impossible to see me in the mirror in the dark, but, uh, if, but, but I saw Tim Woody in the mirror. Now, I didn't see what I do. I saw a reflection of me. I didn't see the Reverend Tim Woody, lead pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. You like, like how I say that, because you know, it sounds rude. That's, that's good. No, I didn't see that because that's actually not me. That's just a title and a position that other people have given to me. So whether, uh, wh- wh- wherever you are in life, please understand this. Your identity is not a position or an occupation. Now, just a little quick review on some of the stuff we've talked about before I get into the meat of what I really want to give you today. This is important. Who you are is manifested by how you do what you do. I'll say it again. Who you are is manifested by how you do what you do. It's how you parent. It's how you lead your business. It's how you handle your finances. It's the attitude that you use when you're dealing with other people. It's how you serve your company or your boss. It's how you minister in your local church. It's how you make Jesus known. So as we've already learned here, here the, the first one is, who am I? Well, I'm a child of God. I'm called out of darkness into his amazing light. I'm one who walks in authority. I'm a priest who can go directly into the presence of God. I'm the holy property of God. We also might ask, well, then what is my purpose? My purpose is I'm God's agent in, and you have to fill out the rest yourself. That's based on your identity. That's why you are here on this earth. That's what motivates you and gets you going in the morning. But fundamentally, the truth is you're an agent of God. That's that's part of your purpose in whatever role or occupation or job, responsibility that you have. You are there wherever you are to creatively make Jesus known. Now, this builds on itself, and and it it just continues to grow. But for me, my purpose is this. My purpose is is my purpose statement. I have it written out because this is good for me. It's as a holy child of God, my purpose is to love God and others using my talents and gifts to bring his joy, hope, and blessing to all who will receive. So... I see myself as a plant from God. That's what we all are in your neighborhood, in your office, in your family, in your city. My my purpose is not to be a pastor. That's a role. That's a role in my life as an agent of God to make Jesus known in this congregation and in this city. So so then we move on to the next level, which is built on purpose, is what is my calling? I talked about that last week. And that's your anointing, okay? And I am anointed by God to do whatever. And that's where you fill in the blanks yourself. See, calling is based upon your purpose. And if you need help with getting that purpose statement, again, I do have those cards out there at the next table. You can get you started on that. But what this is what God has set you apart to do specifically, but it's the part that is, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is actually a supernatural anointing on your life. This is where you, you exercise faith in your life. It's not fulfilled just by your abilities, but it's fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the anointing to do something very unique. That's why we all need to be full of the Holy Spirit because because it causes your calling then to be just explosive. Now here's my calling. I have it written out as well. It says I am anointed. That's anointed. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm anointed to declare uh, Christ's life and love and power through preaching, through pastoring, and to influence cities for his cause. And again, I can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
When Jesus was preparing to uh, leave his disciples just prior to his crucifixion, he, he told them, he says, this is going to be a really good thing for me to leave. Now, they couldn't see that, but this is going to be a good thing, he said, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to live in you, and he's going to empower you, and he's going to anoint you for your calling. So in other words, <laughs> this is where it comes to today, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be alive and thrive even though some of you are really in a tough spot. And if you're not there now, you will be at some point. You might feel dry and cold and frustrated. So again, we, we've discussed identity, purpose, and calling over the past few weeks. But the, the, the biggest misconception about all of that is that even when you figure it out and you, you get it down, you, a lot of people think, well, now everything is going to be just happy and perfect. But when, not if, but when things fail to be perfect, that's when far too often people begin to jump and hop around, like I talked about earlier, from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from city to city, from church to church. Now, I just want to say this really quick. I do know that some moving around is necessary, but when it becomes a lifestyle, unless it's your calling to move around and hop around all the time, that, that's unique. In fact, my dad had that anointing. I didn't want it, but, but, but unless that's your anointing to do that, you're going to find yourself very unstable and you're not going to be able to bear lasting fruit in your life. Think of it this way. We, we're compared to, to fruit trees bearing fruit. Now, if a fruit tree is constantly being transplanted, it will not fulfill its purpose. Now, I know we don't have a lot of fruit trees around here. There are peach trees and a few others, but it can't fulfill its purpose because it can't bear fruit and thrive. What will it do? It will only drain resources from the soil, and those fruit trees will also die a very early death. That's very similar to us. And I want to be fulfilled. I want to live a fulfilling life. You want to be fulfilled? <laughs> well, there's, there's something that's very clear in the scriptures. Fulfillment equals bearing fruit. Fulfillment equals bearing fruit. See, fulfillment is not just when you reach a goal. I'm all about goal setting. I'm all about, you know, doing all that. But man, you reach the goal, you're happy, you feel good chemicals going through your body. You did it, you did it, you did it. And then the next day it's over with, you know? See, that is just a happy emotion and emotions fade so quickly. They do. Fulfillment is not found in finding that perfect spouse because when you get married, uh, you think, oh, this is it. Uh, I'm fulfilled in life. And you realize you wake up the next morning like, wait a minute, who did I just marry? Now, I, I've never thought that. I've never, never thought that. I know you haven't either. But, but it's like, wait a minute. Everything isn't just perfect here because that was never meant to bring fulfillment in our lives. That's a whole different sermon there, what that what actually does for us. But, but emotions will fade. But fulfillment is found in bearing fruit. So that's what you want to do. But again, you're not going to be able to bear much fruit if you're constantly uprooting yourself all the time. So again, if you desire to bear fruit, if you desire to have a fulfilling uh, existence, here's my challenge today. Commit to your field commit to your field. I'm not talking about an industry. I'm not talking about an occupation, but commit to your field. 
which could mean a variety of different things. It, it, it could mean, or it could mean all of these, but commit to your home. Commit to your family. Commit to your neighborhood. Commit to your community. Commit to your church. Commit to your place employment. Commit to the ministry that you're a part of. And, and stop complaining and sitting on your hands because you just don't like where you are right now. Because if I were to ask everyone to be 100% honest, do you really, really like, really like where you are? I, I mean, there would be a few people that would say yes, and the majority would say probably not. You see, God has put his Holy Spirit in you, and he has placed upon you, at the same time, a responsibility. The Holy Spirit isn't in you just to make you feel good. It is, it is like that fertilizer that helps you to bloom where you're planted, and that's what I challenge you with. Now I want you to look in your Bibles in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. This is where I asked you to turn earlier. Now, the setting for this, this was written by the prophet Jeremiah, and he's writing this letter to the captives who were in Babylon at the time. God's people were in Babylon, and let me tell you, Babylon is where Iraq is today. And they didn't like being in Babylon. They didn't like it over there at all. They wanted to live in Israel. But in spite of them being in the land they didn't like, God told them to do something very similar to what I'm telling you today. Now, please understand, there were other so-called prophets, they were actually false prophets, who were telling the people over there in Babylon, oh, you know, it's just, we can't settle down here. This is not good. We just got to keep, uh, we got to keep being miserable until we can get out of here. Jeremiah, the real prophet from God, he prophesies to them and says, this is the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. Look at it. Build houses and live in them. And plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and father sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. So that they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers and do not decrease. Don't shut down, in other words. Look what else he says. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you in exile. Pause for a second. They were in Babylon. That was not a pleasant place for them to be. And now God is saying, seek the prosperity of the place you don't want to be. Okay. I just got to say it again. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. I thank God I don't feel like an exile in Fort Worth, though. But I, I was in one city for a while. Remember when we lived in Missouri? I felt We felt like exiles. They were there nine years. We did their best. And then God said, okay, you're done. We're like, thank God. Let's go back home. But seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. How many of you pray for your city? How many of you pray for your nation? How many of you pray for your boss? How many? Okay, get that. For in its prosperity will be your prosperity. Okay, this is good. You see the word prosperity popping in there quite a bit. I'll explain that here in a second. But basically what God is saying here is, I want you to bloom where you're planted. He says, seek the prosperity of of the city. Pray for the prosperity of the city. And when you seek the prosperity of the city and pray for the prosperity of the city, then that prosperity is going to be on you. And we think of prosperity, that's, that's an okay word, but the, it's, you know, really it is the word shalom. 
And I prefer to use the word shalom, which is a, a Hebrew term, which is a better term, but we don't understand that word. But basically it's this, you know, you're going to seek the prosperity of, of wherever you are, your, your church and your neighborhood, your ministry team, whatever that is, that's your field. So God said to them what he's saying to us, commit to your field and bear fruit. Get this? Commit to your field and bear fruit. And I could put after that, even though you may not like where you are. Okay? For some of you, that's committing to your marriage. For some of you, it's committing to your church. For some of you, I hope you like your church, but I don't have to say it. For some of you, it means committing to the ministry that you've been a part of. For others of you, it's committing to your city. I, I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. But commit to your field. And bear, it may be your occupation. So you're anointed for it. And what's going to happen here, then you will experience fulfillment because you're going to produce fruit. Producing fruit is fulfillment. And God also says in there, you're supposed to not only do that, but you're supposed to pray for it. He says, because if it prospers, you will prosper. You will get Shalom, if you bring shalom wherever you are, even though you may not like it. Okay, now let's look at what shalom means. Shalom is a Hebrew term. We don't use it in our language. It's very broad, but I like it a lot. Shalom means this. It means peace, completeness, welfare, health, success, and prosperity. So isn't that what you're wanting all along anyway? Yeah. It's time to find fulfillment with peace, completeness, welfare, health, success, and prosperity. It's so, so important. See, commitment to your field, though, it precedes this blessing. It precedes the blessing of shalom because you have to bring shalom to where you are before you're going to receive it even back. Now, there's a favorite scripture of mine. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a favorite scripture for Christianity. Quite often it's taken out of context, but I still love it. I love it. It's one of the ones that, that I memorized a long time ago when going through a dark valley. But it's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. So look down just a few verses. Jeremiah 29. Just hold that, and you're, hold that in place now. See, because this scripture is about finding God in the middle of your dark winter of adversity, right in the middle of your deep valley of discouragement. And if you are in a dark place and you do what, verses five through seven of, uh, of what we just read a few moments ago, if you do what that says, then you're setting yourself up to receive what verses 11 through 13 actually say. This is cause and effect. You do what it said earlier, you're going to receive this. So in other words, I'll just say this right up front. If you commit to your field and you bear fruit and you choose to bloom where you're planted, you bring shalom, then you can procure Jeremiah 29, 11 into your life. Come on, let's look at it. So you're doing those things already. Now it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity, which is shalom, peace, completeness, welfare, health, success, prosperity, and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Then, 
then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. So you see, God does have plans for you, a hope and a future, answered prayers, shalom. And you're not only going to find yourself, but you're going to find the presence of God. And God is going to turn his ear toward your prayers. But again, if you're hopping and running and jumping, playing hide and seek with yourself and with God, I can't say that the promise of Jeremiah 29, 11 is for you. Based on the scriptures, it is conditional. So, the conditions are, you need to commit to your field and your calling. Grow roots. Bear fruit. And you'll see the blessing of God, the presence of God. Answer prayers. You'll experience the shalom of God. And that's what you are craving anyway. Be alive and thrive in that office. Be alive and thrive in your city. Be alive and thrive in your ministry here at City Life. Be alive and thrive in your home. Be alive and thrive in your company. Dark valleys, even though they might be there, don't last forever. Quick story here. 30 years ago, Rebecca and I walked through a dark valley. In fact, Joel, I was just thinking you were there know about this, but I was serving on the staff of a large church here in the Metroplex, and my boss, the pastor, he went through this horrible moral failure and resigned, and it it was devastating to us personally. It was devastating to the congregation. I remember we found out two days before the rest of the congregation found out, and I I told Rebecca, I said, we have two days to grieve over this, but then two days from now, after everyone else finds out, we're going to have to suck it up, and we're going to be there for people. And that was hard. You can't imagine, maybe you've been through something like that, but you can't imagine the ripple effect of that throughout a, a thriving con- uh, congregation. But, but even during that time, I, I'm grateful that I, I was already confident of my identity. I was confident of my purpose and my calling. But again, it felt like the bottom fell out of everything. And it was scary. It really was. What I chose to do is I chose to stick it out. Now I can say after all these years, because none of these people are around anymore, strangely enough, all the other pastoral staff members that jumped ship and ran and quit and went to run and hide, they're no longer in ministry at all anymore. In fact, they weren't for long at all. But what, what we did is I stayed planted during that winter season. I chose to bear fruit and not uproot. Rebecca and I decided we're going to be alive and we are going to thrive. We applied Jeremiah chapter 29. That's when I really began to discover it because it wasn't fun being there. It wasn't fun doing what we were doing. There was no fun in it. We applied Jeremiah chapter 29 to our life, to our ministry. We chose this. We made the cognitive decision day in and day out. We are going to bring shalom to that church during that horrible season. And uh, what happened to us? Well, God brought shalom to us. God brought us peace and completeness. God brought us welfare. God brought us health and success and prosperity. That was upon our household. We saw our prayers being answered like never before. We found God, the presence of God, in the middle of the chaos. When other people, I remember even said, there is no presence of God around anymore. It's like, oh yeah, I know I'm carrying it because I'm right in the, I'm experiencing it like I never have before. 
tell you, church, this is why we all need a huge dose of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for more of His Spirit because we leak, you know? You might be full of the Holy Spirit one day, but you're not the next day. And again, that's where faith comes in because emotions will often tell you the opposite and they will tempt you to give up and run. We all experience times when you feel like you can't go on, times when you just feel like giving in, times when you feel like you can't even try anymore. You know what I mean? Just about everyone here goes, yeah, yeah. But, but hear me, it is a test of your faith. And when you pass that test, there's no doubt that you will be all right. With God, things will work out together for good. With renewed faith, God will move mountains for you. Your time of trouble, it's not going to last forever. And the truth is there are seasons. We all experience seasons, not only uh, in this world as the globe spins and turns on its axis, but we experience seasons in our lives. And there are, winter is one of those seasons where everything feels cold and bitter. I'm, I'm more accustomed now to Texas winters, but when I moved up to northern Missouri, I experienced that, that kind of stuff. It's like, God, get me out of here fast. And uh, I had to stay there through the, some of those winters, but everything feels dry and everything looks dead. But reactivate that faith. Bring shalom because spring is on its way. <laughs> So in the power of the Holy Spirit, I challenge you to be alive and thrive. You're going to find more blessing than you can imagine on the other side. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Be alive and thrive in the Holy Spirit. I want nobody looking around for just a moment. We're going to worship God here in just a second, but I don't want anyone looking around. If, you, if you're here and you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, you need him as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you at the count of three to lift your hand so I can see who you are because I want to pray for you. I want to give you the opportunity to receive him. So if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus, I'm lost in my sins. I am in the dark cave right now, and I need to walk into the light. He's calling me into his light. I just need to go. If that's you, at the count of three, lift your hand for me. One, two, three, lift it up. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hands down. If you just raised your hand, I want you to pray with me. Church, pray this as well with me. In fact, church, stand with me. Stand with me, and I want you to pray this with me. Pray this, this salvation prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I choose now to leave the darkness and to go into your glorious light. I choose life. I choose your life. I choose salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are a believer. Now, secondly, that's, just, that's a starting place. But secondly, I know there are so many of you, you're in a dark valley right now. You're in a winter season. And it is, you, you don't even know how you're going to make it through tomorrow. Some of you feel that way. Some of you, you thought, I don't even know how I got here today because I just don't feel it. Well, we don't always go by our, we can't go by our feelings. We go by faith. And I want to pray for you right now. And then after we're done with that prayer, I want us to sing my testimony again, which we sang just a few minutes ago at the beginning of service. And I, I, I want you to lift this song up to the Lord and proclaim it to the Lord. First, let me pray for you. Come on receive this prayer. 
Jesus, I pray for every person in this room who's going through a dark valley, who's walking through a winter season, who just feels like everything is dry, everything is dead, there's no hope, I can't see beyond tomorrow. This is, this is terrible where I am right now, and God, I need your help. And Lord, I pray the blessing of God to rest upon every man and woman, every person in this room, even the children in this, in this building. And God, we also pray for you to bring revelation, for you to bring hope, for you to give next steps in their journey. And I pray for a powerful endowment of your Holy Spirit upon your people, that we will be able to operate in faith and walk through this dark valley. And even in the dark valley, begin to produce fruit. And even in the place where we're very uncomfortable, where we don't even want to be, that we begin to produce fruit, that we begin to, to take action on what you've already done in us. We begin to bring shalom to the people around us, to our office, to our place of work. We bring shalom to the city. We bring shalom to our home. We bring shalom to our marriages. We bring shalom to our families. And then, God, we know, according to your word, Jeremiah 29, 11, that you will pour that back out on us, that you aren't going to lead us, leave us in a place of darkness, but you're going to take us out, and you're going to bring that to us. Shalom will be upon us. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you, God, for the courage and the faith and the strength to worship you and to live one more day and to keep pressing forward. We thank you, God, for your strength and your power so that we can be alive and thrive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, lead us in that song. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.